What's going on, everybody, and welcome to episode 44 of the Mental Dive Podcast, where we talk anything and everything sports psychology and mental performance. I'm your host, Taylor Staden. Whew, 2021. It is a new year. And with a new year, you sometimes hear people say things like, new year, new me. Right? We hear about New Year's resolutions. We hear about people wanting to take charge and take control over the things in their life they want to get better at. And I love that. I'm all for that. But it's interesting. We're starting to get a few weeks into 2021. And this is usually around the time, from what I can tell, that a lot of people seem to lose that motivation to keep pushing with their New Year's resolutions, which I think is a result of many potential things. But one thing in particular I think that is important to think about here is what is our plan, right? If we go into a situation, we set a goal and say, let's say I want to lose 15 pounds this year. But you don't develop a plan and figure out consistent actions and steps that you can take towards reaching that goal or making that lifestyle change, then it's really easy to get lost and demotivated along the way. So if this sounds like you or maybe someone you know who has lost that motivation and doesn't have that plan and that guidance to keep them on track to achieving their goal, then this is what I want you to either do or tell that person you have in mind. Is focus on consistency. Okay, so when you're trying to develop a new habit, you don't want to overload yourself and create these lofty, super difficult tasks to complete. Instead, it's actually more beneficial to think about small habits you can do consistently and then build on them as you go, right? So let's say you have somebody who generally does not exercise. They are considered a pretty sedentary person. If their end goal is to want to be in the gym five days a week doing an hour-long workout each session, that's going to be pretty lofty at first, and that can be pretty daunting. So if we want to help that person get to that point, then maybe we say to them, for three days a week, go for a 10-minute walk or do 15 minutes of yoga or whatever it may be. Just take these small chunks that you can do consistently, yet they're still challenging you in a sense, and then build on them. It can help create more sustainable behaviors and habits as well as give you some extra motivation and push along the way because now you're developing a sense of confidence because you're exercising more consistently. You're feeling that sense of accomplishment. So that is something I really want to share today just because I think it's really relevant right now with everybody trying to reach their goals and to fill out that whole new year, new me. But anyways, let's transition into the interview today. So on today's podcast, I had the pleasure of being joined by Dr. Linda Sterling. So Dr. Sterling is a former professor 
now full-time practitioner and business owner of Sterling Sport Mindset. And throughout the course of the interview, me and Dr. Sterling talk about a bit of her journey of how she got involved with sports psychology. And from there, we then transition into some tips that she would give to college athletes who are navigating the loss of their season, as well as we get into a little bit of talk about confidence and the importance of being able to be curious and make space for your thoughts and feelings. So I hope everybody enjoys the interview today. And if you want to reach out, if you want to share some thoughts with me on the podcast, please do so. Twitter, Instagram, at Taylor Staden, at T-A-Y-L-O-R-S-T-A-D-E-N. Enjoy the interview. I am so pumped to record the first podcast of 2021 with Dr. Linda Sterling of Sterling Sport Mindset, former faculty member turned full-time practitioner. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. No, it's it's been great to connect with you and I'm really grateful for you taking the time today to share some of your story and some of the tips and tricks that you use with your many athletes these days. Definitely. Sounds good. Fantastic. So one way I like to always start off the podcast is I'd love to learn a lot of more about your story you know why did you get involved in sports psychology and how did you get to where you are today awesome okay so my sports psych story starts as a freshman in college actually so um, softball was my sport and I was a slap hitter if you're familiar with softball which means I'm a leadoff hitter and you just hit the ball on the ground and you can run fast and so no home runs in my past but um, getting on base was the thing Got to college, um, people were excited about me and what I brought to the, the team. And then I went 0 for 6 in my first two games. And that was um, that was tough for me. I didn't know what was happening and what was going on there. I felt like I was doing all the same things I always do, but obviously something was off. And my psychology professor actually had a sports psych background and um, she mentioned it in class one day and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to talk to her. And I talked to her and she told me about imagery and um, some other techniques. And I faithfully used those, turned the season around and ended up being a great season. Um, but that was kind of my first intro to sports psych. Um, to that point, I had planned on being an attorney. I was only doing psychology to get to law school and um, yeah, really changed paths at that point. Um, went on, I transferred universities um, that next year ended up playing career-wise, I got injured. So that um, provides a whole new aspect of sports psych. I was an outfielder who couldn't throw for two years. And um, so your role is a little limited on the team at that point, but you really see the game from a different way. Um, and that, that really, you know, further interested me in sports psych. Got a master's in counseling psych, and then that way I could work with anyone um, on clinical issues or sport issues, and then a PhD in sports psychology. Um, went on to be a professor for 13 years, um, developed the, the whole sports psych program where I was, a master's program in sports psych. Did consulting on the side, but decided, hey, I wanna go do this full time, and um, started my practice almost four years ago. Here I am. Ah, fantastic. You know, from a lot of the practitioners I speak with, it seems like a lot of them had that real life experience as an athlete. 
And then they hear about this world of sports psychology and how much it helped them, you know, in the long run. And it's nice because so many practitioners want to be able to share those lessons with, you know, the athletes these days, you know, lessons learned and things they wish they would have known sooner. For sure. I think it's, it is that I wish I had known this sooner. I wish I had had someone to work with throughout my career. Um, I think maybe that process coming back from injury would have gone a little more smoothly had I had a sports site consultant at the time. But yeah, definitely. When you see it in action, you see how well it works and how it helps athletes. And then you also see the places where you wish you would have had those techniques. And to get the opportunity to share that with other people who are passionate about their sport is, I mean, that's the dream job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I think the same way. So <laughs> hopefully a uh, nice like-minded conversation, so to speak. <laughs> um, sure. So with the COVID-19 pandemic, it's had to, it's forced us to make a lot of changes in our day-to-day lives and being able to adapt is a key skill for athletes to be at their best. So I'm going to ask you, how have you had to adapt due to the pandemic? That is such a great question. I love how you word it, that, you know, athletes need to have to adapt and we need to be able to do that too. Um, we talk a lot in our, our company about um, our sport, our business being our sport and how we use those same mindset techniques. So COVID was definitely, or is definitely a time to get to adapt and use those techniques Um, what we found, so business-wise, things were really great last January, February, middle of March rolls around, and that's where everything kind of shut down. Um, you know, anyone scheduled for a free mini session canceled in those, you know, weeks, like not knowing what was going to happen next. It all made sense. Um, we still were fortunate to have the clients we had signed on before because clients sign on for um, four or six months with us. So that was nice, but we really did have to work on our own mindset when everything shut down, when sports stopped happening um, for a little while because, and we just decided we were gonna keep showing up regardless. Um, and I've talked to a lot of people that are like, oh, it's a really hard time to make it in sports psych with you know some of the sports shutting down and things. But we decided, you know, athletes need this more than ever at this point. We always think sports psych is important, but especially now that we have um, a pandemic and we have all these other issues no one was prepared for. Um, So we stepped up in other ways, just staying visible um, on our social media, doing virtual team talks. We found a lot of um, coaches still wanted to provide something for their athletes during that time but weren't able to meet with them in person, um, weren't really sure how to navigate that. So um, having us come in and give that intro to mental skills, I think was helpful for some coaches. Um, We also had other places reaching out to us. It was the first time I'd been interviewed on the news. Um, So that was great. And then we had even local like chamber of commerce um, people reach out and they're like, Hey, we think business owners are going through what athletes are going through. Could you come and give a present, you know, give an online presentation. So we did those kind of things. So stepping up in ways that um, wouldn't have been on our radar in January. Um, but yeah, so that, that keeps stepping up really paid off for us in May. I think it's kind of when things started to pick back up with athletes and, And we see a lot of athletes now that are just like, things are so different. Either I'm not playing and I want to be ready when I play again, or um, I am playing, but it is all so different and weird now that I need help navigating this. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Especially with so many seasons being canceled this year, um, particularly with, you know, a lot of college athletics, you might have athletes who are in their last year and they're looking to have a big season to try to get a pro contract. Let's stick to that kind of topic with the college athletes that have lost their season. What would some of your best advice be to give to them to navigate these challenging times? Yeah. Um, because it is unexpected. No one saw this coming, right? There was no way for athletes to prepare for, oh, and what if your season gets taken away? Um, either that being that was going to be your last season and you knew you were done playing at the end of that, or you have goals past that. And this has kind of altered those. The first part is to just be really real about it. Like, this is not ideal. This is not what you wanted to happen. Um, but we talk about feel the feelings and I know that sounds cliche, but you really have to acknowledge what's going on, that this is, this is not great. But um, if we try to skip over the feelings and just say, okay, I'm going to power through this. I'm going to look ahead. That doesn't always work because we're kind of denying the stuff that you're going through at the time. So I think we spend some time on that. Like just how, how is this for you? How's it feeling? We had college athletes had to move back home with their parents and they might've not lived with their parents, you know, for three years and all of that adjustment while you're losing the sport that you've dedicated most of your life to. So acknowledging all that comes with that is important. Then we need to look at like what decisions need to be made. So some athletes were deciding, do I stay on for my, that extra year of eligibility? Do I you know, go ahead and, and graduate and look at whatever's next? So looking at that decision-making process they're going through. Um, and then I think we turn our focus to the, the mindset of when I get back to performance, wherever that is, um, what does that look like? Or if this is the end of my career, what does that look like too? And how can we use the mindset skills that we've already worked on in life after sport? Mm -hmm. I think that's excellent. One part that really stuck out to me, and I know you call it a cliche, was feel the feelings, mm -hmm. right? As, you know, even as practitioners sometimes, but more so as athletes, as people, we try to suppress feelings. We don't want to feel the, these feelings of anxiety. We don't want to make space for them. But it can be very, very beneficial, obviously, to allow that space for feelings to be present and to really acknowledge them. Would you mind speaking a little more to that? Yeah, and I, I think that's such a great point. It is important. I think sometimes people see it from the outside as that cliche of like, okay, I'm going to feel my feelings it, because no one knows really what that looks like. Um, for us in a session, it would be just time to <laughs> reflect on, wow, things are hard right now. Tell me about what you're going through that, you know, you may be trying to tough it out or act like it's not a big deal, but inside it's really bothering you. And we try to create that space for it in sessions. Like, um, that now is the time you don't have to be strong in the session. Um, as athletes, I think we're always, you know, working to, to be strong, to overcome, to be resilient, grit, you know, that whole rub some dirt on it mindset. It's going to be okay. <laughs> um, but really, but to get to that place, you have to go through the other. If we skip it, it comes back to us later. Um, so yeah, just having that space in those conversations and like, hey, we're not going to talk about getting, you know, great on the field today. We're just going to talk about what you're going through right now. Um, and how's that feel? And um, what are the thoughts going on in your head right now regarding this? And a lot of people won't 
do that with others outside of a session. So, and hopefully by that point, when we've worked with athletes, you've created some rapport that they know that you're a, a safe place to share all those things. And I, I think it also relates well to the idea that trying to be positive all the time is, is not the answer. We might feel ashamed that we have these feelings and we might think that it's not good to acknowledge them because we should always be positive when positive thinking can really distort reality in a sense. Yeah, I think so too. And that, and trying to make that leap from things are really tough and I'm not feeling great at all to like, no, things are great. I'm going to overcome this. is That's yeah, that, well, it feels fake to people. And, um, and then we just, we just can't make that leap. And then it creates more of a problem in your head because your brain is like, nah, that's not how we feel right now. And um, yeah. then you've just created this extra mental chatter and some blame about it. Then you're blaming yourself like, oh, I should be positive right now. And I'm not positive or I'm trying to get to positive. Why can't I get there? Um, yeah, all that work. I think, I think, yeah, sometimes we, we mess things up when we're trying to always be positive. I mean, that happens with performance stuff too. We'll always talk about that. Positive is not the, always the place that you want to go. Yeah, big time. There's this really, there's this nice tweet from Dr. Kevin Lee, where he said, accurate thinking is greater than positive thinking. Positive thinking is greater than negative thinking. And that what that really stuck with me. And it's something that I've been trying to um, use more myself, right? Because as you said, you know, practitioners and, and what skills coaches and athletes, we have to use the same techniques uh, sometimes. Agreed. Um, yeah, I like yeah. that accurate thing. And we do a lot of neutral thoughts. Um, so working on, so here's your unintentional thought, which might be negative, which is totally okay. Right. And then we, the goal is kind of that positive thought at some point in time, but if you can't get there right away and you shouldn't try to get there right away, there's this new idea of neutral thoughts, which I think is similar to the accurate thoughts. Um, something that feels just super neutral. Like if you're, um, a swimmer, we could say, instead of trying to get from, I'm feeling like I can't make this happen to like, Hey, I'm the best swimmer out there. Um, there's this neutral thought of I'm a swimmer. This is what I do. And it just takes all the pressure off of trying to get to positive, but it doesn't have the same anxiety provoking nature as that negative thought. So I think that comes in like that accurate, accurate thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I noticed one thing that you mentioned on your website is you try to promote this idea of having a championship athlete mindset. What exactly is this? And what are some keys that you provide your clients to get to this uh, title per se? Nice. Yeah, we, um, we talk about the complete mental game framework that we use that way you have that, that champion athlete mindset you know you can you're ready for whatever comes your way on the court and on the field when it's a big game but also you're going to use that in life so if you have a presentation at school if you have a job interview and all of that like you're ready to go at any point um we think that that the obviously it's the mental skills that we all hear about confidence concentration composure imagery intensity management all of those things are included um I think especially when those three C's of confidence, concentration, and composure come together that you know you're in a good place. Um, but for us, it also has that element of you're able to get curious. Um, in sessions, we talk a lot with athletes about being able to get curious about your thoughts and what's going on for you, um, about patterns that you might see, um, 
just about looking at your mindset and your mental game in a new way, we find that athletes who can get curious about it. Cause when you're curious about it, you don't have the same judgment like, Oh yeah, I was thinking, you know, this negative thought, or I didn't um, do this routine. Like, let's just get curious. Why, why didn't you do the routine at the time? Not with a judgment, but uh, huh, I wonder what was going on there mm. that it made us not do those things. Um, but when our clients are free to get curious um, about what's going on with them and take that judgment away, not always have to do it perfect that's when that championship mindset comes in. Hmm. Interesting. And you mentioned confidence as a mental skill as part of one of those big three C's. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people talk about a lot of different ways of how to build confidence to you. What is the best way to build confidence? So confidence for us, I really like, I come from kind of a cognitive behavioral background. So I like the idea of thought models, you might also hear them called automatic thought records, but if we can look at thoughts, feelings, and then actions, results, right? That, that is a key. I think um, that's one of our number one skills. If you can get that process down of looking at your thoughts, seeing when it's helpful, when it's not helpful, um, changing as, as needed, I mean, that's a game changer. It's especially a game changer for confidence um, and what we choose to believe on purpose when we're out there and knowing that we can change those thoughts. Again, we can't always make that leap from super negative to super positive, nor would we want to. But um, when you can start recognizing, oh, here's a change I can make. Here's something I do believe in the moment, which is more helpful than what I've been thinking. I think that it, that's a key skill for confidence, for sure. Um, your thoughts are always with you, um, you know, regardless of where you are, what you're doing, who you're talking with. We always have that internal dialogue. And if you can really get curious about it and look at those, that's a key to confidence. Mm, I love that. It reminds me a lot of the idea that we want to create space for these thoughts and feelings so then we can accurately look at them and judge them and then take action based on that. Yes, exactly. I love that. Yeah. So we've talked about quite a few mental skills and, you know, you mentioned that the, the championship athlete mindset is made up of, you know, the, the imagery, composure, confidence, etc. If you had to choose one mental skill, just one, which would you consider the most important or fundamental and why? You know, I would go with the thought models again because of that idea that thoughts are always with you. Um, but I'll, I'll give you a follow-up. I'll give you a second place. (laughs) I think a second place for me then is that, um, the idea of routine and where you can implement because it goes with the thoughts, right? When we can recognize that we have that awareness of, oh, I was thinking this, um, and really I want to think this at that point, or I wanted to think this thought on purpose. If you can have some kind of cue, um, we like our routines to have three components, you know, something visual, something you look at, something you do physically and something you say to yourself. We pair it with a breath. That is also a game changer, but it goes hand in hand with that thoughts, like looking at what's happening. And then if we need to do a refocus routine or if it's just a routine for, um, to get you started, like, okay, it's game time, routine, here we go. But then if we can also use that, whenever, you know, your mind starts to go somewhere else that you don't want it to be, or, um, you're replaying an error in your head or something like that. If you have that go-to routine, um, that can be a game changer to stop the spiral 
a lot of athletes talk about that mental spiral talk about gateway thoughts that might lead to that. Like if you find yourself starting to have, you know, this moment of doubt, you know that it can spiral from there. But if we've got that routine in place, um, it can get you back and refocused. The key with that though is, is practice is repetition. Um, you know, some yeah. athletes are like, yeah, the routine, like I, I did it and it didn't work this time. I'm like, well, we got to practice it. Right. It's got to become as natural to you as, as some of the other stuff that you mm-hmm. do. Yeah, I, I love the idea of refocus routines. The way that I've taught athletes in the past uh, with refocus routines is the three-step process. So the first step, just having a quick reflection period, kind of, you know, um, kind of not judging your thoughts, but noticing them, you know, see, seeing if they're accurate. Is it within your control, what you're worried about? Right. Moving on to the, the breath, like you said, kind of calming the systems down and then having that cue in place, whether it's verbal, physical, or... Uh, auditory to lock back into the moment and to commit to being present. So, and that's something that I've noticed so many athletes who can really benefit from. And I find what's so great about it is that it can be implemented into all areas of life. Like you mentioned earlier, you had your first news interview. I'm sure maybe you, you took yourself through a bit of a reset routine per se before that. Right. For sure. Yeah. You do all of those things to just then embody who you want to be out there, either on the court or in front of the camera. Um, For sure. I'm I'm with you on that routine. Yeah, absolutely. So Dr. Sterling, I really appreciate all your time today. I think this has been um, a great interview and it was great to learn more about your story and some of the techniques you use to help your athletes navigate these, these challenging times. If there was one key takeaway from our conversation today that you want the listeners to remember, what would it be and why? Ooh, a key takeaway. I think it's that willingness to get curious about your thoughts and about the feelings and what you're going through, not with a judgment like we've talked about, um, but just in a way like, huh, I wonder why that's happening when you can look at things that way and open up that dialogue, that question that is when you open up room for change and room to look at it in a new way. Um, and that can make you unstoppable. Awesome. Love that. Well, I wish you all the best. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what's next for Sterling Sport Mindset. It seems like you have a great route going on right now for helping emerging practitioners get into the field. Do you want to tell us a little more about how the listeners can maybe contact you and potentially get involved? Definitely. Um, you can contact us through sterlingsportmindset.com. From there, we offer athletes a free mini session, 30 minutes to talk about what's going on for you, get a tip you can use right away, and then we'll go over what it looks like to work together. Um, you can also, we have blogs, our social media, Sterling Sport Mindset. And then we have a course coming out um, February 1st, and it's our pregame to podium mindset course. So it's taking you through the mental skills that you'll need, but it's also telling you when you can use them. So here's what you can do the few days um, leading up to competition. Here's what you can do game day, during the game and post game. Um, So look for that, but you'll find all that information either on our social media or on our website. Okay, fantastic. For easy access, everybody listening, I will put all that information in the bio so you can go uh, check Sterling Sport Mindset out. Well, again, Dr. Sterling, appreciate all your time and wishing you all the best as we, uh, we navigate 2021. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. One more thank you goes out to Dr. Linda Sterling for joining me on episode 44 of the Mental Dive podcast. 
Again, if anybody would like to reach out to Dr. Sterling and learn more about Sterling Support Mindset, check out the description of the podcast. All the information you should need should be listening there. Well, everybody, as I like to say, I am really appreciative of everybody taking the time to listen to my podcast, and I'm looking forward to sharing another episode with you all soon. Until next time.